it wouldn't be a song service here at the church if someone standing next to Pastor Legault did not burst out into laughter over him attempting to sing the right words to a song. So uh, that is what happened on that last one. Mrs. Legault now has felt the fate as well. Uh, Andrew and I have been suffering with that for a while, and now uh, you can come on up, but I've started messing up the words now too, so I don't know. He's, I, I did, I did, I messed it up this morning, so uh, if you would grab your Bible, 2 Timothy chapter 3, I did forget to mention a praise uh, that uh, was given to me, uh, Kathy's daughter Josie got got the funding she needs uh, to take her mission trip over to Africa, so uh, praise the Lord, and so that's good news, and so just keep her in your prayers as she's going to be heading over there for a trip. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, and uh, Pastor mentioned this Just wasn't, wasn't the way I thought it was, and it was just kind of forming while I was going. And that happens as you're preaching sometimes. Uh, and I'm afraid that might happen tonight, so... Um, I think I've got it down to where it's supposed to be, but it may, it may go out a little farther. Uh, but 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 1, 2 Timothy 3, verse 1, and, and this is a pretty familiar spot to us, and my batteries are dead. I moved this microphone, and uh, that's what I got. All right. Um, but uh, as far as as far as Second uh, Timothy chapter 3, if you would, verse number 1, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith, but they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men, as theirs also was. I'm going to stop right there. We know the rest of the chapter, Paul talks about uh, his doctrine and how they know who he is by his entering in and coming and going. And they know who he is. They know what he stands for. They know what he's, what he's doing and what he's all about. Uh, he reminds Timothy that he ought to continue in the things which he has learned and has been assured of, uh, he reminds him of the scriptures that were given to him and from a child he's known. He reminds him that those things are there for instruction and for him to know how he ought to live and how to work. He reminds him that that's the thing to thoroughly furnish us onto all good works. And that's, that's the goal. And as Paul brings this chapter uh, to Timothy, he's warning him of these last days. And in the last days, we've got some wicked men that show up and some terrible men that show up and we're looking at them and we're looking at the problems and we're looking at the troubles. Thank you, sir. And uh, we're looking at all those things and we're understanding that ultimately, all those things that are there uh, end up with 
him making this statement in verse number 5, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Uh, these folks, uh, he says in verse number, uh, verse number 8, he says that they were like Janus and Jambres, which, who, which withstood Moses. And he says that they resist the truth. They're going up against the truth. Men of corrupt minds, reprobate concerning the faith. And so these men are, uh, they're men that obviously, uh, obviously they have a form of godliness, he says about them. And you got to watch out for them. He says you're supposed to turn away from them. You're supposed to walk away. You're supposed to get out of that situation. And we live in a world today that is full of people who would like to claim to be godly. And the truth is they're completely ungodly. Uh, we live in a world today where even Christians want to perceive themselves as being godly, but they don't have any power of God in their lives and they don't understand why. And so tonight I want to preach on a form of godliness. We're going to talk about a form of godliness tonight. And uh, then ultimately, Lord willing, we'll get to real godliness uh, at the end. So let's have a word of prayer and get into the message tonight. Father, I thank you for your goodness and your mercies, your compassions that fail not. Lord, we love you, and we pray that you would meet with us tonight. You'd give us the strength and the wisdom that we need. I pray you'd help me, Father, to say what ought to be said tonight, nothing more and nothing less. Father, you know I've got a lot of, a lot of thoughts tonight swirling around with this message, and Father, I pray you'd help me not to stray into my own thoughts, but into what you want said and done tonight. Lord, once again, we pray you would bless our time together. Help us, Father, to maybe see some things. Father, in ourselves that may need to change, but Father, especially in those as well that are around us that maybe we need to avoid and protect us and protect ourselves or protect our church from these last days and the perilous times that we're living in. Father, once again, we pray you would get the praise, honor, and glory in Jesus, our Savior's name. Amen. Amen. First thing I want you to notice is in verse number five, he says, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. And he makes the comment about it being uh, as Janus and Jambres, which withstood Moses. Now, the first thing I want you to think about is a form of godliness. That form of godliness uh, is the world's idea. It's the world's thought process. It's a lost man trying to gain godliness. Uh, they want what God has, but they don't want to do it God's way at all. Uh, it's the lost man trying to gain that power that he sees, but he can't actually have. Uh, look, look back with me at the book of Exodus. I'm not going to read all of, I'm not going to read the entirety of the ten plagues upon Egypt, all right? Uh, but Exodus chapter 7, if you would, most of you know these. This is probably very familiar to you, I think, as I look around the room. Uh, most of you know, right, the plagues are coming to Egypt. Moses has shown up on the scene, and uh, he, is, he is going up against uh, Pharaoh and it's let my people go, and the Lord is trying to convince him uh, to let the children of Israel go. In verse number 10, you have Moses and Aaron coming up to Pharaoh here in Exodus chapter 7, and they cast down this rod before. Uh, Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh and before his servants, and it became a serpent. Verse number 11, then Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers, now the magicians of Egypt. They also did in like manner with their enchantments. For they cast down every man his rod, and they became serpents. But Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. Say, so what were they doing? 
Well, I can copy that. That's the likeness, right? That's what, it, that's what Paul's referencing. He's referencing the magicians, Janus and Jambres. We get their names there in the New Testament. And he goes ahead and he says, hey, those guys, they're withstanding Moses. They're trying to compete with him. They're trying to say, hey, our gods are just as good as your God. That's the plagues. That's what the plagues were about, destroying the gods of Egypt and showing that God is God and that their gods aren't uh, and that he has more power than they do. Uh, you look down at verse number 20. Uh, verse number 22. And the magicians of Egypt did so with their enchantments. And Pharaoh's heart was hardened. What are they doing? They can copy it. Oh, they copied it. And then they copied it. In chapter 8, verse number 18, the magicians did so with their enchantments to bring forth lice. Now they want to bring forth the lice. But they could not. So there were lice upon man and upon beast. Then the magicians said unto Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. You know what they decided? Uh, that was God right there. We can't do that. <laughs> That's the admission. The admission is we want to be like God and we want to do, we want the power and we want that, we want that greatness, we want that amazing thing, but you know what? We can't actually manufacture it by our own means. The magicians, they wanted to manufacture what God could do. You know what they found? They can't. They can't do it. Oh, they can get at certain things and they can get certain ideas and they can, you know, try and mimic it enough and go ahead. But you get down to chapter 9 and verse number 11. And the magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils. <laughs> For the boil was upon the magicians and upon all the Egyptians. <laughs> boils show up and you know what? You know what they couldn't do? They couldn't get rid of the boils so they could even stand up in front of Moses. What's God doing? He goes, you can try to have a form of godliness of your own, but the truth is, a lost man's godliness is nowhere near the godliness that you could have. The power and the greatness of a holy God is different than what a world tries to put forth as godliness. You look over the list of things that we read there in the last times that perilous times shall come, and for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, all the things. None of that looks godly, but they want to make it godly. They want to act like doing all those things is going to get them what they want. And what they want is just what their father wants. I will be like the most high. That's what they want. You're of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth. What he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, because he's a liar and the father of it. He wants to go after that. And the lost man, you know what he's doing? He's trying to gain what he cannot gain by himself. He is trying to manufacture the power of God in his own life by doing it his way, and the world's thoughts and philosophies are there to try and take him there. He goes ahead and he grabs evolution and says, see, we can be better, better and better, and we're going to get better, and everything's great, and we'll attain without God. No, you won't. No, you won't. You can't make that happen. It doesn't work. Well, we're going to get a longer lifespan and we're going to do all these things and longevity and we're really going to build it out. Hey, how you doing so far? Well, we're going to get, we're going to get the, you know, we're going to freeze, we're going to freeze ourselves, cryogenic freezing, and then we're going to come back later when they have the cure for all the problems that we have. Not going to make it. Not going to work. 
well, you know, uh, we can go ahead with psychology and, and sociology and we can get all these sciences together and we're going to figure out what's wrong with man and that, that way we can fix their problems and everything's going to be great. How's it doing? You look around in the world right now and it is crazier than it's ever been. At least in our lifetime, it's definitely crazier. It's crazier than we ever thought it would be. I'd say the only other time it might have been this crazier in the days of Lot and the days of Noah. You look around at a world and they can't even figure out what's right, what's wrong, what's clean and what's defiled. They can't figure it out. They can't figure out what is normally right and natural now. They can't, they can't delineate between the natural order of how things are supposed to work and whatever manufacturing they would like to do. They can't figure it out. They put no difference between the profane and the holy. They just keep mingling them together. And they go, well, we can get it. If we can just keep going, you know, we'll figure it out eventually. Can't you just love everybody? Well, God is love. So you know what we're going to do? We're just going to love everybody. And if you don't accept me for me, I'll cancel you. If you, if you don't love me the way that I am, then obviously you hate me. If you won't take and believe everything that I have to say and everything that I do, and you're not okay with everything that I say and do, then obviously you must hate me. Well, if you have a difference of opinion, obviously that's hate speech. Because if you don't agree with me and you tell me so, well, then obviously that's wicked. Since when is correcting someone when they're wrong wicked? It's only wicked in the eyes of ungodly men. That's a perversion of the truth. The truth is always the truth. They don't like the idea of absolute truth. So they go to, well, everybody's got to be right. Well, since when is everybody right? Since when is, you put a hundred people, let, I don't think we have quite a hundred in here. Uh, we've got a good crowd tonight. You put all of us in the same room and we ask one question and if we all came out with the same opinion exactly word for word, you know what we'd be? Robots. You'd have been programmed to say what you had to say. And we're all pretty much on the same page about things. But I guarantee you, you won't get 100 people on the same answer. Their opinions and their thoughts will start coming in and it'll start to be, and it'll be whatever they think. Well, you know, then it must be, it must be whoever says it the loudest must be right. Oh, wait, is that not how that works either? But that's the world's philosophy. Well, I must be right. I've got to justify it. I've got to fight for somebody else who doesn't actually have a fight or a complaint. I'm not going to get into too many world social weirdness, uh, but I will say this. It's funny to me that in the entirety of New York State, you realize that, uh, and I understand it's public schools, it is what it is, uh, but in public schools across the state of New York, if they do not remove an offensive mascot, according to New York State, then they lose their state funding. So if, they have, they, if they're the chiefs and they have an Indian head and, and the mascot, oh, nope, you can't. A mohawk, uh, this, anything like that. 
You know why the Hannibal Warriors get out of it? Because they have a Roman centurion as their mascot. They changed it. They changed it to that just recently. You say, what are they doing? They're trying to purge. You know what I, you know what I read? I read a couple articles. I, I read things. Sorry. Uh, right? I'm reading. You know, what I, you know what I got? I got that Native Americans, you know what their statement is? about that very thing is we're proud to be represented. How strange is that? The world goes, I'm going to come to your defense. And they go, about what? I don't have anything to be defended. I don't, I'm not offended by that. They think that we're an awesome mascot, somebody to be touted. Isn't that the point? That's someone to be proud of. That's why they're trying to be like that. Oh, wait, we don't want to do that. That singles somebody out. What is that? That's the world's mentality. Because what it is is I'm going to defend somebody to make myself feel better. Because I really don't have anything to complain about. So I'm going to complain on somebody else's behalf. Say, what are they doing? Form of godliness. I love them. So I'm going to. It's the attempt to be godly. And it denies all the power that he has. It's by man's means and man's mentality and their thought process. And how can we best, okay, you can keep going that way. But the problem you'll have is you won't gain godliness. You won't gain it. You'll never get there. Because you've denied the truth and you've denied the power thereof. Look back over at 2 Timothy chapter 3. Now you know why there's a lot of thoughts flowing through my brain today, all right? A form of godliness. The world wants a form of godliness without going God's way. They want to manufacture the product without doing the things they need to to have it. They want to synthetically make what God does in their own lab and hope for the best. And the truth is, mankind will never attain by their own means. They won't be able to because they've denied the truth, they're reprobate concerning the faith, they've corrupted their minds, and they think they can do something that they cannot attain to. They want to be just like God without any of His real attributes. You can't have it. Not only that, the world tries to do it. There's a form of godliness but the Christian tries to do it. The saved man, you know what he tries to do? He tries to conform to standards, to have a form of godliness. But he too denies the power thereof. So what's he doing? It's the saved man's attempt to manufacture God's power his own way as well. A lost man does it, and we go, okay, I see what he's doing. A saved man does it, and he goes, well, I don't do these things, and I do all of these things, so God must do what I want and it is still your agenda it is still your carnal thoughts it's still your carnal actions it's still the way you want it to be and you still aren't going through his power or his might or his strength it is still all about you and what you want 
And the answer is, I'm going to trade the things that I know he wants. I'll do those. And I'll stop doing some of those things that he doesn't want me to do so that I can barter with God and get what I want so that I can look godly. You say, what is that like? Uh, That is ever learning, verse 7, and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. You talk about Christianity today. You talk about ever learning and never coming to the knowledge of the truth. That's Christianity today. Oh, they got saved and they they got salvation, but you know what they do? They are constantly trying to find something great. And go ahead and listen to the secret. And I'm going to go ahead and hammer this right here and like me or hate me, I don't care. I'm, I'm just being honest. You know what people have done? They've replaced church with YouTube. And then on top of that, even they, when they come to church, you know what they do? They give white noise all week long because they just keep listening to preachers on YouTube. And I don't care if it's the best preachers. You know what happens? You're not designed to take that. You aren't designed to have scripture input over YouTube by somebody preaching because what does it do? It makes all preaching white noise. There's no benefit to that. Now it's not, oh, I'm going to listen to a message today and I'm going to slide one in here and I'm going to slide one in here. No, people are doing this. Literally, they throw the earbuds in and they go ahead and they just start playing on the playlist and away they go. And for hours on end, they just listen to preacher, 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 preacher. And then they hear something weird on there and then they go, oh, well, my preacher doesn't say that, so it's probably wrong now. And then they go against the preacher. And they go, well, you know, I'm learning all these great things. Knowledge buffeth up. We are in an age today where the world's answer is we have knowledge at our fingertips. Why are we not the best Christians on the planet? Why is the church not the greatest thing on this planet right now? Don't you have access to everything? Shouldn't you be the most knowledgeable and greatest and amazing? And shouldn't we be a force to be reckoned with at this point with how much knowledge we can put in? Then what's the problem? A form of godliness but denying the power thereof. Well, I know all these things. Yeah, but you have never put any of them into practice. You know, well, I know all the, yeah, you can say all the verses and you can say all the right things. I did that as a kid. You know me, I grew up here. <laughs> Right, teenagers? We grow up, and we grow up in church, and you know what we can do? We can say all the right things, we can do all the right things, and we can act the right way on Sundays and Wednesdays and Fridays, but you put us out in some other situation, you know what we'll do? What we wanted. And all of you think that we're great. You think highly, and you go, well, you know, I mean, I mean, they're doing, they're doing good. They're doing really good. They may not be. Because you see them, see, this is the thing. You see them on Sundays and Wednesdays and Fridays, and that's all you see them. And anybody can pretend on Sunday, Wednesday, Friday. That's why Paul made sure that they understood that they know his, fully know my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, patience. He goes, you know me, because you've seen me every day, day in and day out. Your family knows. 
if it's a form of godliness, denying the power. People go, well, I'm just going to keep learning and I, I just don't know enough to do anything. You knew enough the day you got saved to do something. Ever learning. They just keep piling it in and piling it in and piling it in and piling it in and they never give it out. And they never assimilate anything into their life to actually fix whatever it is that they're doing. They want to sound spiritual because they know the answer. Uh, spirituality is not knowing an answer. A world can memorize facts. A world can memorize. They can come up with the right answer every time and they can do all those things. That didn't make them spiritual. Christian, it doesn't make you spiritual to ever learn but never come to the knowledge of the truth. Say, so what does that mean? That means you know what's going on, you know what you're supposed to do, so you do those things, but you have no working knowledge of what is happening in your life. You don't recognize the spiritual warfare around you. You don't recognize that you're living carnal. You don't recognize that you're actually doing things in your flesh as opposed to in the spirit. And so you're not fulfilling what God wants you to do, and instead you're doing everything his way. You're doing everything your way and how you want it, and the devil's winning. And you don't even recognize it. Because you go, well, I have my form of godliness. I do all these things, and I don't do all these things, and my lists are in order. That's not godliness. If that's godliness, then uh, let's face it, the Mormons and the JWs and the Amish and all these other, they could be more godly than you. People are cleaner living than you and I are. Does that make them godly? When they've never trusted Christ as their Savior, does that make them godly? Of course not. They haven't attained. Why do we think our lists make it so that we're godly? Now it's true, you shouldn't do certain things and you should do other things. But just because you've fulfilled your tasks does not make you godly. Because it's not a question of the do's and the don'ts, it's a question of your heart. And I'll get to that in a second. Instead, the Christian that wants, that wants it this way, you know what they are? They're carnally minded. They look at their music and they go, my music is great because it has all the right words, but it's carnal. It's all the things in the background and the beat. and the, It sounds just like the world's music, but let's go ahead and throw some good Christian words on it and it's okay. That's not okay. That's still carnal. Well, you know, I really like these things. Okay, well, you like those things because they're carnal. Your flesh likes these things. And you can't discern between the two. You have a form of godliness, but you deny God's power because you're not doing it in His power. It's not His wisdom. It's not spiritual mindset. It's carnal mindset. It's carnal actions. It's carnal doing. It's all about my flesh and what can I get so that I can gain, so that I can have godliness is, is gain is next to godliness. So if I can gain all these things, obviously I must be great. But that's not how it works. You cannot manufacture and make God do things the way you want to by fulfilling a list. Are there prerequisites to getting God's blessings? Of course. But just because you fulfill them, Esau didn't get a place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. He didn't get a repentance. Why? Because he missed it. He made a choice and he missed it. 
You get down here and you know what the Lord wants? He doesn't want a form of godliness. He doesn't want you just to conform to standards. You know what he wants? He wants you to be transformed by God. He wants a transformed life, not a conforming life. Well, if I follow all the rules, then I'll be okay. No. <laughs> you don't gain the power just by following all the rules all the time. Because you can follow the rules out of duty and have no care for what you have done. Why would God trust you with all of his power if you are unwilling to love him and seek his interests? Isn't carnally minded to be death and to be spiritually minded as life and peace? Well, then the question of godliness is not a question of my do's and don'ts. It's a question of my love. Notice what he says in verse number 10. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra. What persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that live, will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. That doesn't sound like godliness. Not in the world's eyes. Not in the carnal Christian's eyes. You mean i got to suffer to have godliness? All that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Well, that means i got to put down my carnal mind and pick up my spiritual mind and do things his way. The evil men and seducers, they'll wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Verse 14, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. You say, see, he's talking about works. Okay, but if it's all about works, you know your problem is? Jesus and the disciples are on the boat. He's just fed 5,000 people. They hop on the boat. He looks at the disciples and he says, hey, beware the leaven of the Pharisees. What do they worry about? Oh, it's because we didn't bring any bread with us. Like he needs you to bring bread. Come on, guys. Right? And then they finally realize, right, he gives them a little hint. And they realize, oh, he's talking about the doctrine. He's talking about what they do and who they are. He's talking about what they actually are saying. Okay, all right. Because the words that he speaks on them, they are spirit and they are life. So what's he always doing? You look, at the, you look at his relationship with those disciples, you find he is constantly trying to get them to stop seeing the carnal, stop seeing the fleshly, stop seeing the things that they can see, and look at the things that are unseen. Look at a spiritual world and look at their life and look at how they're supposed to be and look at what the really fruit is of what they're doing and you get the spiritual mind. He wants them spiritually minded. He wants us spiritually minded. As opposed to making the choices based upon what makes me feel the best and what keeps me safest, instead he goes, yeah, but you may be persecuted. You may suffer afflictions. We may have problems. And that's why the Apostle Paul can go, yeah, but when I'm weak, I'm strong. 
Well, I'll gladly glory in my infirmities. Why? That the power of Christ may rest upon me. The distinction is I can either be carnally minded and whine and complain that God is not fixing this, or I can be spiritually minded and go, the Lord's got it all under control still, and I will glory because He is giving me something that I can endure for His sake. It's the difference between the carnal mind and the spiritual mind that the power of Christ may rest upon you, that you'll actually have a form of godliness, and it's not denying the power. Instead, it'll be real godliness. It's the spiritual mindset as opposed to our lousy carnal mindset that we constantly have to fight and get our brain back out of and go and stop going that direction and turn and go to His. And in Revelation, Romans chapter 12, you know the spot, right? We're supposed to be instructed by the Word of God, and He reminds us over and over again to be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Change the way that you think. You will not gain godliness. You will only be left with a form of godliness and no power of it if you keep doing it your way. There must be a change of the mind. And the only way it changes is when the heart changes. The heart turns to do things the way the Lord wants. And sometimes, just like we've learned over and over and over again here, the truth is we learn our doctrine, we learn what we're supposed to know and what we're supposed to do, and we start to do those things, and the Lord blesses some of those things, and we understand that we can fall in love with doing the right things. You can fall in love with the Bible. You can fall in love with spending time in the Bible. Your flesh isn't going to like it, but that spirit inside just keeps calling back so that you can get instruction in righteousness, so that you can do it the right way, so that you can learn and you can grow and you can have those things. And I may have to continue this later, but the truth is that you and I are spiritually minded is the only way you and I can become godly. Outside of that, you and I will continue to have a form of godliness with no power. We'll come up short every time. And it may look good to me. It may look good to Pastor Legault. It may look good to everybody else in the room. But you know that it's just you working hard to try and manufacture what God can do. Isn't it better if he just does it? Isn't it much better if we do it his way and he gets all the glory? He likes it that way. He also tends to do great things when it's his power and not yours. He tends to gain great victories when you and I get out of the way and allow him to have control and do. We understand the verse, we hear the verse, we know the verse. Galatians chapter 2, right? I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. It's Him. It's not me. It's His mind. It's His thoughts. It's His ways. We love Him because He first loved us. We recognize who He is. We love Him for who He is. And I can't cover all this stuff. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and slow it up here. Uh, but he's looking at Timothy here and he's saying, hey, Timothy, you realize that you can't do all these things in your own strength. When you look at them, the world is going to try to look good. It's going to try to make itself look good. It's going to try to have a form of godliness. It is going to try to railroad you into thinking that it's godliness and you're going to know that it's wrong and you can turn away from that. But guess what? You and I fall into the same spot because we try to gain the same way the world did. We try to gain godliness by doing things the way that we want to. 
in hopes to gain the power that we want to have so that we can get what we want as opposed to what he may want. It's the surrender of all things he might have the preeminence. And go, Lord, I need your thoughts, I need your opinions, I need your idea on what I'm about to do. I need your way. Why? That the excellency might be of God and not of us. That's what he tells us in Colossians. It's that the excellency may be of God. Well, I don't have a whole lot of power. I feel like I don't have the power of God. I feel like, you know, I've, I'm, I'm, I'm floundering here. I'm not getting any victories. I'm not getting, okay, maybe it's because you keep doing it your way. Well, you know, I've done all the checklist of what pastor told me to do. Okay. Where's your heart in it? I've had plenty of people, well, I did my homework, here you go, and they set it down and it's half, halfway done and kind of, and I'm looking and I'm going, okay, I know where the heart is. They don't care to get it fixed. They want the band-aid so that it goes away so that they can go ahead and continue on as if nothing has happened. The Lord says, hey, that's a form of godliness and you're denying the power I could give you. Because I could give you power for victory. I could give you power to stand. I could give you power to get through the trial that, I, that you're in and the persecution. and the. But notice what he said. The Lord delivered me out of them all. The Lord is the one. He says, uh, but out of them all, the Lord delivered me at the end of verse number 11. Not by my, pike, my might or my power, but yours. The Lord's. His power, His strength, His endurance. We get so focused on what we could do in our own strength. But the truth is, you can have the best program and the best thought process and the best things that the world can come up with for the idea. And the best things you can come up with because you've read the Scriptures and you go, well, I know this is, this is probably the best way. And the Lord's going, have you ever asked me? Have you ever asked me what you ought to do with that? And we deny letting him have any power. Because he didn't ever get to influence. He didn't ever get to put his two cents in and say, yeah, this is what you ought to do with that. And then we fail and we go, yeah, but my program was so good. If only you could build a ministry and a life on programs. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. If the Lord's not in it, guess what? It's a form of godliness, but you've denied the power. And you know what the Lord said? From such, turn away. <laughs> Why? Because they're, they're, they're going to get their end reward. It's not going to be a good situation. We have an entire world out there. And you know what they've done? They have, they have done their best to bring in a kingdom. And this is the mess that they have. Because they've denied a holy God. Christians get their lives a mess. When? When they quit relying on a holy God. And they want to do it in their own power and in their own process. And they have a form of God. It may look good to everybody else. 
but you've denied the power. Or you could actually gain a victory and have the Lord actually affect what is happening by listening to the instruction in righteousness from the Word of God. Doing it His way, loving His way, trying to do things just the way He wants it done, but knowing that He's always in control. His doctrine, the manner of life, all the things that He has put together, Paul's going, I am contrast to that form of godliness with Janice and Jambres. I'm, I'm the contrast. That's his statement. But you know my manner of... He goes, I'm the one who's... I'm, I'm not them. Instead, if you don't think the power of God was on Paul, I don't know what to tell you. He only wrote over half your New Testament. He's going, I'm the contrast. And you know the persecutions and the troubles and the, and the terror that I've had to go through. But at the same time, you know the greatness of God who's delivered me from them all. He'll deliver. He'll deliver. If you would let him have the power, let him transform your mind and renew it and put it back and so that you can think the way he needs you to think so that you can have the power of God in your life, and it won't just be a form of godliness anymore. It'll be a transformed life that God can bless. Let's go ahead and stand. I don't know of anybody who's lost in here tonight, but maybe you are, and a lot of that was crazy. <laughs> but the truth is, that God wants to save to the uttermost and take care of your need forever. Wash you of your sins, and there's nothing you can do in and of yourself that's going to put you in heaven. But the Bible says that the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. The power of God at salvation is the blood of Jesus Christ that can wash any man of their sins. If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, you can have salvation forever. Christian tonight maybe you've been struggling with some things and you're recognizing man I keep doing the carnal things I keep doing the things that I know I'm not supposed to do and I keep trying to barter with God I'm more like uh, you know I'm more like Balaam trying to get trying to get what I want as opposed to getting what he wants me to have maybe you need to set aside your carnal mind and go ahead and ask him to put a new mind in you that you'd be willing to submit and love him try to learn what he'd have you to do his way as opposed to keep doing it the way you think you know best. Maybe you're just doing everything the best you know how to tonight. You just want to praise the Lord that he has been good to you and merciful to you and you can see his hand. Just keep moving through your life. The power that he's been able to give is incredible. You can praise him tonight. But either way, I hope it was a blessing. Father, we do come before you tonight. We thank you for your goodness and mercies and we pray you would be merciful again to us. Help us to Father, maybe see some things we ought to change. And Lord, I don't know, maybe somebody's lost in here tonight. I pray they wouldn't leave that way. They'd call upon Jesus Christ alone. And once again, we pray you'd get the praise, the honor, and the glory. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen.